to a new another edition of Thinking Like Lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law. I'm joined by Catherine Rubino and Chris Williams, who, <laughs> and we're here to talk a little bit about our uh, last week of big stories in the legal universe, as per our, uh, you know, the point of this weekly show, you know? As per huge. I was going to do that, and then I was like, am I the kind of guy who goes huge? Yes. What what kind of guy is that? I don't know. Is the I just I farmed it so. out to you, so now I don't have so to. Now do I'm that. that guy? Now I don't. Yeah. Now you're, yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. We're going to just leave that there. All right. And let's start with your favorite part of the podcast and mine. Yeah. Oh, and yours? Small talk. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, let's have a little bit there of small talk board. here. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like, I don't know if you listen to the podcast and you're absent, Joe, uh, but I. Obviously. I, I just did the sound myself. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, Welcome back, Joe. Back. And uh, yeah, here we go. Welcome back to the show. It's good to have you. It, uh, it it reminded me, your absence, how much I enjoy making fun of you on the podcast. Oh, is it then? It did. It did. Yeah. So yeah, um, I, it seems as though nothing really happened while I was gone. <laughs> uh, the legal world was entirely... It really slow, especially crim law. Like nothing, nothing happened. happens really. Department I can't of think Justice, of quiet. I cannot think of any series of major cases that have yeah, happened it, at all. Uh, at all, it's really weird. So yeah, as somebody who who's off coming back, it's been uh, <laughs> it's been great to catch up. Uh, did anybody do anything fun over the last couple of days? Since this is small talk, not legal talk, so right, right, we got to right. have something like personal, so people know who we are as humans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, my weekend was interesting. Uh, What'd you do? Well, this this will be like a dumb moment for Catherine. It might be a shocking moment for Joe, but apparently Taylor Swift is out here. The Taylor Swift has fans, unexpected ones too. So I got in a um, a lift to head back home and, you know, just some black dude that had like a, you know, like a silver bracelet on, looks like he could fight well. And I noticed that there was a Taylor Swift song playing on the radio. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you playing Taylor? And he was like, oh, yeah, everybody knows about Tay-Tay. <laughs> so. I mean, one of the best parts of TikTok is people that you would not necessarily is- expect to be Taylor Swift listening to Taylor Swift for the first time. And then they get mm. they become Swifties in their own right because she's legit. Let's, let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> yeah, it, it was funny. He was, uh, I was, so I wanted to like... I always think it's fun if somebody like you know embraces their goofiness, whatever. And I'm I'm just just outside of looking in Taylor Swift is goofy, like I'm getting changed in broom closets so people don't see your outfits. That's some Harry Potter mess. I mean, I think she but, straight up admits that she's goofy. Like she says, like I will never be cool. Like I am I am fundamentally uncool. That's who I am. Just really enthusiastic about what I do, and people like it. <laughs> I think that that's part of her lore. Yeah, but so what happens? He he does music. And he was listening to some Taylor Swift songs, and he was like, "Oh, her layering is fantastic. The sound work is great." Now, the only thing, that, the only part of music that I do is listening to stuff that comes out of iTunes. But I'm assuming <laughs> good layering is nice because you know, I mean, it's, I'm assuming that's preferable to bad layering. So, shout out to Taylor. And I, I just couldn't get over Tay Tay being a nickname. Uh, and I was like, Tay Tay. Oh, yeah. He was like, yeah. Oh, yeah. One oh, of yeah. my uh, one of my white customers got in. He was like, she was like, yeah. Can you play Tay Tay? <laughs> you know. <so. laughs> it was a fun time. 
I'm enjoying you um, becoming. Sl- We're going to make you a Taylor Swift fan before this is all said and done, Chris. Just wait we for it. Joe, no, I, I no. think you count as a, a Taylor Swift song. You've written stories. I did write one story that was very Taylor Swift heavy. And uh, you made lots of references that you just you you made off the top of your own head. So there you go. I think. I mean, I'm part of. I'm part of. The, the cultural culture, zeitgeist I can't here. Avoid, yeah, uh, avoid these things. Some of it, but. some of it is very much inevitable. I think, I think. I think once you write a tailored Taylor Swift article for Above the Law, you have to. You can't play the not a Swifty card. <laughs> you're, you're in the. You're in the group now. Sorry. Well, it was. It was that a. Uh, it, it was a issue of jury duty, and some prospective juror basically said, uh, "I have tickets to the concert." So I'm first of not all, that be is there. not even a concert; it's a cultural event. So correct. Fair, okay, <laughs> fair enough. Anyway, uh, and, and so I wrote the article uh, about this issue and explained to the non-savvy how jury duty works mm-hmm. and how this person probably could get a deferral and how that will work out fine for them. Just you know, you got to be upfront about it. Yada yada. But I. I littered it with Taylor Swift references, uh, kind of on this on the sly. So I thought that was it was not sly. It was incredibly obvious. I mean, yeah, uh, in, in Joe, a cute way. Joe only loves Taylor Swift if it's torture. Don't say I didn't. Say I didn't warn you. <laughs> yeah. See, you're gonna you're coming around, Chris. You're gonna get there. you're gonna get there. We're gonna make it happen. Yeah. We're gonna make it happen. Okay. I am going to shake off small talk. Oh! <laughs> I love that I'm the only one who hasn't made a Taylor lyric reference in that segment. So you're the problem. <laughs> Hi, it's me. Yeah. Oh, no. All right. So uh, what are we talking about today? We have lots of things to talk about. You kind of alluded to the fact that Donald Trump has been indicted. Oh, uh, Really? Yeah, yeah. There. I mean, didn't that happen already? It did. This is third time's a charm. Oh, okay. Third getting, time's I'm a getting charm. confused. You see, mo- you most people don't get indicted multiple times in front of multiple different jurisdictions. In the summer, so, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. It, that is kind of unique. Regardless, even if you weren't the former president of the United States, that would probably be pretty unique anyway. Uh, yeah, but you might have heard he was indicted on four counts related to the January 6th attempted coup. And there was a judge assigned in the case, mm-hmm. uh, Tanya Chutkin, mm-hmm. which, you know, great, great news, very well-respected judge, D.C. Circuit, yada, yada, be, yada. Uh, district, yeah. Yes. Oh, sorry. Yes, it's yep. a district court. It's always weird, I think, when there's a district for the District of Columbia, when you have to, like, write that out. Like, when I was writing a story about her, she's like a district court judge for the District of Columbia. Mm-hmm. I don't know. seems weird to put the same word twice for two slightly different meetings. The DDC? The DDC. Yeah. I, yeah, writing that seems less weird than writing out right. to me. I don't, anyway, so Tanya Chuckin was assigned, and because it is I, not... Yeah. I mean, this is this is obviously a very qualified judge, so I assume there was no complaints from either side about this, <laughs> and everyone accepted this very calmly. It's almost like you know where I'm going with this story. Okay. <laughs> uh, Lindsey Graham came out complaining about her... Uh, bias said that the judge of this case hates Trump. You can't convict. You can convict Trump of kidnapping Lindbergh's baby in D.C. and mm-hmm. obviously pushing for a venue change. Which, lol, that is hilarious. Because let's not forget that Trump judge Eileen Cannon is also in the mix doing the other indict or one of the other indictments. 
And it's worth noting why, why both cases are where they are, mm-hmm. right? There's a reason why Eileen Cannon has one of the cases and why Tanya Chutkin has the other, which is the Department of Justice is bringing these cases where criminal conduct happened. <laughs> the document that the classified documents that Trump allegedly made his lawyers lie to the Department of Justice about having returned happened in Florida. So Mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. there. The let's try to coordinate an effort to stop the, to have fake electors and stop the counting of the electoral college happened in DC. So the case is there. Uh, If you don't like the idea of being in front of a DC jury pool, my suggestion would be don't commit crimes in DC. (laughs) Sure, sure. I'm sorry, Joe, I have to interrupt you here. Mm. The real reason is because the anarchist socialist democrats are corrupt. Well, 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 that's the thing. I don't quite I don't quite understand because the coup was run by Antifa, right? Like I didn't. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I don't know. We ignore that. We ignore that. (laughs) That was. Yeah. So, yeah. So don't commit crimes. Right, and and both Lindsey Graham and actually Ted Cruz also joined in saying that Judge Chutkin is relentlessly hostile to the former president, which, you know, to be expected, I suppose, that when the case appears to be a very solid case, you should attack the process if if that's your bag. Uh, But the really fun little twist is that both Lindsey Graham and Ted Cruz voted to confirm Chutkin. Right. Well, because this is not this is not actually a judge who was particularly controversial. Right. Uh, this is this is a very this was a very straight up nomination in the first place, and it is a very straight up judge today, mm-hmm. uh, having sat on the court now for a while. Yeah. Yeah. They, they honestly, they, the complaints about the judge make very little sense to me, and Trump too has uh, like we're going to come after you stuff uh, in. All of this makes no sense. I mean, it's it's coded, right? Right. Well, sure. But it just, it really underlines how problematic this person is as a client, uh, ma- making enemies of these folks out of the gate, especially because the judge is not particularly, you know, relevant to how this is going to play out, right? Like the, there's not, there's not a ton of great procedural arguments that they're going to have to get out of having this trial. You know, I can't say like, oh, we were illegally wiretapped or anything, right? Like that's just not (laughs) how this case is set up. Yeah. Uh, So the judge's role is much more constrained. So look, I get- It's about tainting the process for- Exactly. Yes. And I I mean, listen, Tanya Chuckin was confirmed unanimously. It's 95 to zero, right? Mm -hmm. Five people didn't vote. Uh, This is not a controversial judge. This is not a, this shouldn't be- and the process is not tainted, but in order to make the case that Donald Trump needs to make to the, his supporters, that is that is the that is the way they're doing this. Because his only out, really, realistically, is to just win the presidency and absolve him and, and sure. pardon himself. Yeah, it's the the Rubicon moment. Uh, yeah, for every. Again, I've written about this. I don't know if I've talked about it on the show, but I've written about uh, when. When the original indictment for a federal indictment came down, there was a lot of right-wing talking heads talking about how this was crossing the Rubicon, which was inapt. It's the opposite. <laughs> uh, the Rubicon analogy goes the other way. They, Trump is at this point, much like Caesar, in a position where he's facing criminal liability if he doesn't seize power again. Uh, so that's where we sit now. But that's said. I will say about Lindsey Graham's complaints, the complaints about the judge are so dumb because there's not a lot of 
leeway for the judge to make a lot of difference here. But the complaints about the jury pool, that's much more, in my mind, quote unquote compelling. I don't think it's particularly compelling, but I can understand how you can pitch that. You can say this is a population that voted something along the lines of 90% against Trump, uh, given that drawing a jury from here is very likely to have political overtones uh, that are anti-Trump. Well, I mean, that isn't a terrible, terrible ar- argument. Listen, listen, everybody had, well, that's not true. Anybody who voted made a political right. decision one way or another about Donald Trump. Sure. And it is just as biased to have people in unanimous, uh, a pool that is exclusively made out of people who voted for Trump as it would be to have a pool who voted against Trump. Uh, I think that, again, you know, I think your point about like, well, well then don't do the crime. Right. Uh, but it's inevitable that people have an opinion on Donald Trump because he was the president of the United States. Oh, of course. No, this is a bad argument. I'm yeah, just saying yeah. that this is a lot closer to the sort of argument that you could make to say, hey, why don't we move this case to North? Virginia or something along those lines, it's way easier to try. And or make West that. Virginia, I think, is where they're actually <laughs> or, hilariously or uh, are trying to get it. It's a lot easier to make that argument if you say, hey, this is people, not only did they vote and vote strongly against, but they're folks who voted in the Capitol, who therefore, you know, are more savvy politically than even anywhere else. Like, we really need to get out of here. That That's an argument you could put in a brief and not seem like you're crazy. Uh, <laughs> arguing against this judge, crazy talk. But arguing against that, like, it's still wrong, but at least you could put it together. This, this thing's going forward. You know, they're asking for, going to ask for delays, of course. Uh, the DOJ is not likely to grant those at that point. It is up to the judge to decide whether or not she wants to grant those. I suppose that's one role for the judge. Uh, mm-hmm. I sincerely doubt that that will be granted. I mean, uh, the, I think the big thing that the judges in both of the federal indictments are doing is setting the timeline, yeah. right? Is whether or not the this can happen before the election, yeah. I think is really the question. Yeah, and we'll see. Uh, it doesn't seem, I, I'm not altogether sure it matters. Uh, I guess it matters to the extent of uh, how much Trump gets to travel in the last month of the campaign. But uh, it doesn't seem like he's barely traveling now, uh, has something like a 30-point lead over everybody else in the GOP primary. I'm not sure it really matters whether he's convicted or not. Uh, nobody... That's a terrible statement like this is about baked, our country. Just, like this is baked in at this point. Yeah. I mean, people yeah. are innocent until proven guilty. However, everyone has prejudged whether or not they believe these allegations one way or the other, and that's not going to change. Uh, mm-hmm. So I don't really know as though this trial makes much difference. But I mean, as far as as far as whether or not he becomes the nominee. So that's that. Calidus AI cleverly supports you by suggesting relevant law to address your complex issues. Put in simple questions or longer fact patterns, then Calidus asks you to confirm if points are salient before proceeding. Use Calidus to check if you found all the key concepts, cases, and statutes. Calidus turns that into a high-quality, customer-ready document. Handle complexity confidently with Legal's most advanced AI platform. Get $90 off your first two months. Use promo code Joe at CalidusAI.com. That's C-A-L-L-I-D-U-S-A-I.com. Hey, Guy, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Guy, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. Order up. 
there's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather-bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's J.D. McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you! I bet you he has got so many years of experience. Like decades and decades. And I bet, Guy, I bet he even went to a law school. Are you a lawyer? Do you suffer from dull marketing and a lack of positioning in a crowded legal marketplace? Sit down with Guy and Conrad for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing on the Legal Talk Network. Available wherever podcasts are found. All right, we're back. What are we talking about now? Uh, Chris actually wrote a story about uh, Samuel Alito's Wall Street Journal thoughts. Yeah, I mean, he has a substack now. <laughs> it's, it's really What's just it called? Wall Street Journal. Wall Street Journal. Wall Street Journal op-ed page. Okay, yeah, that, that, that yeah. Is a, that's a clever name for a substack. Yeah, makes it seem all neutral and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, but it's one of those things where he's like, oh, basically trying to make this argument that the Supreme Court justices are kings, that their that their uh, ethical actions are unassailable because the Constitution, <laughs> and then uh, that's not how it works, not how it ever worked or should work, you know. But yeah, I um, think the money quote from the story is something like, uh, "No provision in the Constitution gives any other branch of the government the authority to regulate the Supreme Court." Which sure, definitely which, is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is. Yeah. I mean, uh, even even taking the, his argument at at the the most generous is that it, bold. Okay, continue. The most generous is that nothing. Nothing says that, but that's kind of approving of the negative because the Constitution itself doesn't say anything about the Supreme Court other than it should exist. It says, eh, you know, we should have a Supreme Court, and uh, I don't Get know, on that, Congress folks. should create one <laughs> that uh, lives but by its regulations. But they never regulate it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it even says that it it makes it, it should be should have jurisdiction such that mm-hmm. the court that Congress allows. Uh, it's only really constitutionally authorized to be a few people who sit in a room and hear whenever two states decide to have a lawsuit, which we had a few of this year. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, over what part of the river do we own? If two states choose to do that, then, yeah, Supreme Court is constitutionally created. Otherwise, it's all a congressional thing. So, yeah, the interesting part is um, Elena Kagan is willing to say that. Uh, she. This is not the first time she has responded to her conservative colleagues' wild statements about the Supreme Court. Uh, she responded to John Roberts's uh, th- musings on uh, legitimacy and abortion uh, in the post-Dobbs era, uh, but she also was at the Ninth Circuit Judicial Conference uh, last week and responding very much to what Alito said. She was like, that can't be right. That can't be what he means. And, <laughs> yeah. and kind of generously afforded uh, Alito the the space to back away and say, oh, that's not what I said. I mean, he's not going to take that graceful exit, obviously. But she definitely said, well, I don't know the exact way that he meant it or the questions that were asked and what how what he was responding to. But she was like, of, of, of course, yeah. I mean, literally use the phrase, of course Congress can regulate various aspects of what the Supreme Court does. Yeah, because it, it says it right there. Uh, yeah. the, now, that said, the, the other issue, of course, is that this, this piece is not, unlike the previous Wall Street Journal piece, this is not written by Alito. This is mm-hmm. an interview right. with Alito by some lawyers who just 
put a case on the Supreme Court docket. Yeah. So is he going to recuse himself? No, yeah. no. I mean, that's what get that's what gets me about how stupid this whole thing is. Is that mm-hmm. putting aside, he should recuse himself. He won't. Uh, but even if, and I think it's indicative, even if it's not necessarily an illegal thing until that recusal happens. But like this is indicative of the lack of respect for the rule of law this guy has. If you know you have a case on the docket with these guys mm-hmm. who want to, you know show how much they know and are buddy-buddy with him in a national newspaper, when they ask you for an interview, you say, no, not appropriate at this time. <laughs> that, that's really all you need to say. Yeah. Well, in his defense, the, uh, the Constitution doesn't say that you can't recuse yourself just because you're in a Wall Street Journal with the right. people in front of you, you know. Even and, if and it yes, does. And, and those literal words need to be in it or else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Kagan also uh, revealed in, in her statements that the court is working, is talking about uh, various ethics rules, because obviously the court can create its own ethics rules, mm. but said uh, that it's perhaps unsurprising that the nine members of the Supreme Court do not agree about yeah. what should happen. <laughs> Yeah, because two of them are on the take, right? <laughs> at least, at least two of them are openly on the take. And like at this point, you know, they, that's a bold a- allegation. But at this point, we've got confirmation of this stuff. Like, I mean, it's that, not I was going to say, I was going to say that was a bold allegation in like the early two thousands. It is no longer a bold allegation, right? Like at this point, I mean, Alito's it previous is, it is Wall Street, what, ju- yeah, yeah, his previous Wall Street Journal op-ed was, "I did something incredibly illegal and corrupt, but I don't think it's illegal, so I don't care." Like, he, <laughs> but like he's admitting to the facts, and Thomas does too in his statements that have been released about this Crow stuff. Like these guys just think that we get to decide whether or not the law applies to us. At that point, I don't think we're uh, we're veering too far to say, "Hey, they've done this stuff." When they're admitting to all the facts in public, of course, they don't want more clear rules because their attempt to pretend that this hasn't been just dripping with corruption is to say we've decided to read what are otherwise very clear rules in a way that doesn't apply to us. (laughs) But like, that's not really how criminal law works. Not that this is a criminal act here, but that's not how any of these laws works. But I wanted to bring it up as a criminal thing just because this also appears to be the primary defense that's being articulated in the aforementioned Trump case that it couldn't have been a conspiracy. He didn't he, he didn't really think it was. So if he didn't think it was a conspiracy, it couldn't have been one. Uh, that is not how any laws that's, really that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. Yeah. But it would be amazing, right? If you could just be like, well, I didn't mean it. Yeah. And that was a full defense. Like, miss it mistake of everything is a full defense to everything. Like, yeah. like, I mean, your I honor, your honor, my client says, yes. oopsie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oopsie defense. <laughs> we call oopsie. Yeah. We are dismissing the charges, man. Okay. Now what? Uh, our last thing, we're going to turn to some law school news, news you can use. The National Association for Law Placement now put out the, uh, median salary information for the class of 2022. Mm -hmm. Uh, Great news. Great news for the class of 2022. Average salaries up. The median salary is up 6.3% over the year before. So it's now a median salary of Uh, $85,000. The year before for the class of 2021, it was $80,000. And the average salary is also up 6.3%. Yay. 
Yeah. So this is interesting, of course, because we did not have a run of big loss salary increases. That means we did. What for the class of twenty twenty two? Right. So we, yeah, there were there were a bunch of that. That was when all. Oh, yeah, me, yeah. I'm trying to get this math right. The class of twenty twenty two. No, they. The raises were the year before. They would have been right, and then, so they would have started. So they would have started with those increased numbers, as opposed to the class of twenty one that didn't start with those numbers. Oh, is that? How yeah. That, I yeah. okay. Well, then this is yeah. actually not a particularly interesting. It, 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 <laughs> Sorry, it is expected. Never mind. This no, one. it's interesting. It's expected. It is absolutely what we expected. Uh, what I think also, though, is interesting is. There was also an increase in nonprofit, uh, the the median nonprofit salaries uh, for oh. that same class. So that was great uh, for for folks who are doing that. But That's also nice. the now p- powers that be saying, yeah, this was great. I would not continue to expect this. <laughs> Do not think that this is a trend. This is a blip, and we will the ship will write itself going forward. Do not expect a further upward trajectory, which I think is which I do think is accurate. I don't know. I, like I, I, I think that uh, man, the reason why I thought that this was probably interesting by the calendar was that this would be suggesting that there is increasing creeping up of the mid and small budgets, which is what you would expect in response to a big law salary increase. I mean, I think that is also reflected in these numbers. Yeah. And they break it down also by job type. I see. Because that is something that you expect. Obviously, they need to come, they need to have the gap be reasonable if they're ever going to tease someone out of big law to come to them. Uh, I mean, I think that's what the public interest numbers increase reflects as well, right? So that median salary was now $62,000 up from $58,000 the year before, which is a pretty significant jump for, I think, the public interest jobs. Yeah. Now, I mean, obviously, people might point to there's been some degree of inflation, to what extent has that swallowed up a lot of that increase? Uh, inflation fears have been more overblown uh, just statistically than than the media has reported. Uh, they, you know, it exists, but it's not nearly the hair on fire hyperinflation that some people would like to mm-hmm. pretend. Uh, so yeah, it, it sucked up a bit of that. Uh, and a bit of that is a response to uh, to increasing cost of living. But yeah, it's good. Also news. of note in the report is that the class of 2022 seems happier in their jobs than any class before. It's a historic low percentage of folks who are currently seeking a different job than the one that they are currently employed in. Okay. So it's 6.8%, which is the lowest it's ever been. 7.8. Did I say that? Did I say that right? Anyway, the point is that it's the lowest number, uh, whether that's because they are actually happy, which maybe, or just are <laughs> terrified to make a change right now, <laughs> which I think is part of the course correction we've seen in 2023, which might be part of it. But yeah. so that's that's what the that's the way the job landscape looks for recent law school graduates. Well, there you go. Well, cool. So I think we're unless there's anything else. No? I feel pretty good about it. Excellent. Thanks, everybody, for listening. You should be subscribed to the show so you get all these episodes automatically when they come out. You should give reviews, write stars, write something. You know, it always helps. You should be reading Above the Law, of course. You get these stories and more uh, all the time. You should be listening to the other offerings of the Legal Talk Network. You should listen to the Jabot, Catherine's other podcast. Uh, You should watch the Legal Tech Week Journalist Roundtable, which I'm a panelist on. You should be 
following us on various forms of social media. Above the law is at ATL blog on at least uh, at least X. I'm gonna say. And, oh, don't. Uh, yeah, don't, don't do that. No. And uh, because things, because then the videos posted on that app are X videos. No. No. Oh, God, it really was just poorly put together all the way around. Yeah. Wasn't it? Uh, and and. Uh, Threads, I think. Uh, I don't think anyone's still on Threads, but to the extent anyone is, <laughs> I was reading it's like down eighty-five percent since the day it launched. So, but whatever. Uh, you should be. Uh, Catherine is at Catherine One. Chris is at Rights for Rent. Those are both Twitter artists, formerly known as Twitter handles. <laughs> I'm at Joseph Patrice at that particular location. I'm at Joe Patrice at all the other ones. The Blue Sky and Threads. Uh, mm-hmm. Catherine, you're on Blue Sky. What is I, it? Yeah, it's Catherine One. Catherine One, mm-hmm. the numeral one again. Yep. All right. So, is yeah. Blue Sky breathing? Yeah. Uh, is that uh, dead yet? So blue, the deal with Blue Sky is that it's smaller than Threads. Like Threads' whole deal was they pulled in all the Instagram folks, so they mm-hmm. instantly had a giant base, but mm-hmm. no one's doing anything over there uh, because it's just like Instagram with words and nobody understands what to do with it. Meanwhile, right. Blue Sky is gated uh, and it's just invite only at this point and it's kind of scarce to get on there which is generating some interest but once you are on there it functions exactly as Twitter used to uh, so it is very active to the people who are on it which are growing every day but it's scarce and yeah I think Blue Sky seems to me like the organization that has some hope of succeeding but we'll see anyway that was all i had to say i i think and uh peace yeah If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the unbillable hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.